Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea. I'm here today with Eric, and we are in the Gospels, and there's a lot happening. Um, Eric, what's that got to you in today's reading? Yeah, well, uh, yesterday we talked about how Jesus instructed uh, those that he healed, in this case the man with leprosy, not to tell anyone mm-hmm. about what happened. And I shared yesterday what I thought about that. I, I was curious what you thought about that. Yeah, I think I, I was kind of leaning on you for that because I don't know. I think it's I think it is a timing thing that... Um, there's this buildup of Jesus wanting to show people who he is, and then they come to the conclusion themselves of who he is. And I think that kind of a similar thing with the parables, which we haven't gone into any parables yet in our reading, but just kind of like hinting at who Jesus is um, so that we can come to this own conclusion. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know why this particular case of the man with leprosy, I think it's interesting that he says to take an offering um, and to have the priest confirm it. Yes. And yeah. I wonder if that's something similar to that, that is just Jesus, his Jewish heritage and what um, is commanded, asking this guy to follow the rules of what it means to be healed from leprosy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the part of that story that really stuck out to me really is Jesus reaching out and touching him. I just, I underlined that every time I said it, it's just Jesus reached out and touched him and how that man probably had not been touched in a very long time um, with an advanced case of leprosy, but to have another human touch him Mm -hmm. and just, I don't know, it just, for me, it just conveys this compassion and love that Jesus felt for him. Yeah. I've thought about that a lot during COVID, you Mm -hmm. know, because we pray for a lot of people at the front of the church, of Mm -hmm. course, after services, you know, and, and um, I, you know, and for a while there, we were like masking, you know, and, and for while we were praying for people, which was, I think, the a respectful thing to do. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think sometimes we just got to stretch past our comfortability about something and and uh, really connect with a person so they, they actually feel the compassion of Jesus coming out of us towards them. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, I think about all these people that, I mean... Not just the people who are sick. I think of the tax collectors that Jesus mm-hmm. is eating with. These uh, disreputable sinners, as yeah, <laughs> this version puts yeah, it. Right. <laughs> um, that they would not have had any interaction with a rabbi like Jesus or a religious leader like Jesus. Um, but Jesus took that step. I think about the woman who um, had the bleeding condition. Yeah. She was ceremonially unclean all the time. No one would have been allowed to touch her. Mm-hmm. Um, and... She touched Jesus' garment and was healed. I just think about, yeah, Jesus', Jesus compassion. We don't understand it, I think, because of modern medicine and technology, and we know now what's communicable diseases and all those other things. Mm-hmm. But at this point, like in the context of this point in history where people just were shunned for different things, mm-hmm. to have Jesus reach out to them must have been so powerful. And what courage, uh, you know, you mentioned the woman with the issue of blood, mm-hmm. and now we're looking at the friends of the paralytic mm-hmm. as well. And that just, what was it about Jesus that caused courage to rise up in their hearts to do something so radical, you know, to bust open a roof, yeah, to reach out and grab somebody's cloak as they're walking by? It's like, these are radical things, right? Yeah. They're being done. What was it about Jesus 
you know, that, that pulled that out of someone? Yeah, I, that's a great question. And I, I love to think about that more just because we know, we know what it was like in the Old Testament for people to approach God that required sacrifices. Mm-hmm. It required a priest. It required all these things. We also know that Jesus is God embodied, that mm-hmm. he wrapped himself in flesh and he is God. He's filled with unfailing love and compassion and he's the face of God. Um, and still people don't need to feel the need to go through a ceremony to approach him. Um, and I think that's what is really cool about Jesus and the incarnation that we are able and people then were able to see God in a way that they never were never able to see him before and approach God in that way. Um, and now we know what it's like to approach God without having to do all the things that make us clean. Yeah. 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 Wow. I think of Moses, you know, going up to the mountain, right? When he received the commandments Mm -hmm. and and people are just freaking, they're at the bottom of the mountain going, I'm not even going close to that. And then they got so disconnected from what was happening on the mountain and what was happening with Moses that they end up worshiping a, a calf you know, that jumps out of the fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really crazy to think about. Uh, but you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's a sense that um, Jesus is saying in his incarnation, I'm available, I'm accessible. Mm-hmm. In fact, I want you to do reckless things to get to me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Whoa. And so if you take those situations with these people who desperately want to approach Jesus and they do, and then look at Simon Peter, who realizes that Jesus is the son of God. And he Mm -hmm. says, please leave me. So you have these two things side by side of like realizing God's holiness and like, get away from me. I can't be in your presence because you're too holy. Mm -hmm. And people saying, I need to be near you. Um, I I think those are two tensions that we almost need to hold even now, just like Mm -hmm. recognizing God's holiness and that I shouldn't even be close to you, but I have the open invitation to do so. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, I love, I love Simon's response and I love Jesus' response to Simon of just saying, don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to be afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that. I'm thinking of, uh, we, we did a mission trip. We actually went three, four years in a row uh, to the Navajo Reservation with our, the ministry we were with called Teens for Christ. And um, I, I am not really a, 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 an aggressive personality. I'm not somebody who's going to be like, get in your face kind of a thing. <laughs> but we um, we were doing this, uh, what we call the unshackled tour. And so we came to all these, we went to 13 different prisons on the reservation, right? And so we got to this one, and, and this guy just was like, no, you can't bring your teenagers in here. There's no room. Uh, I don't know who told you you could come, but you can't come, hmm. you know? But there was just something that rose up inside of me, kind of like a recklessness, but I just knew it was from the Lord, you hmm. know, just to press forward. And, uh, and I, and I, so I just, and basically the guy at one point says, you're just not going to take no for an answer, are you? you know? <laughs> and then, uh, but then we, we, we started to connect in on some sort of level and, uh, to make a long story short, he found out that there would be no court cases in the courtroom that, that morning, which was very, very unusual. <laughs> and the courtroom was adjacent to the jail itself. And so he decided to bring all those who were in jail into to the audience section of the courtroom and then allowed our teenagers uh, to to do uh, 
the uh, a set of worship, uh, to do the drama, the gospel drama presentation, to hand out Navajo Bibles. And uh, then I preached, and then the guy who was opposing me at first uh, he he got up and spoke to them in Navajo for a while, and I was just like, "What?" And I asked him, "What did you just say?" He said, "He just said this is the way that you should walk in. This is the way you should go." And I'm just like, "What on earth, Lord?" I just kind of walked out of there, like going. I'm not normally that aggressive. I don't know what came over me. Maybe that was kind of a stupid thing to do. Yeah. But what just happened? Wow. You know. So. Um, yeah, I, again, I guess I'm just saying that uh, not to just relive an old story, but maybe to challenge somebody today who's listening. Is there something reckless God's asking you mm. to do? And maybe today's the day you need to do it. Yeah. Yeah, just looking at all these different people who, yeah, like you said, tore holes through roofs. Mm. And <laughs> That's nuts. Like, yeah. Imagine all that <laughs> dust falling down. Like, what's happening now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I love that story because I just love the one verse of just Jesus seeing the faith of the friends and telling the man he's forgiven of his sins. I just, I think about that and as a friend, like, who am I having faith for? Mm. Like, sometimes our faith needs to carry other people's faith. Um yeah. And there's so many Good. different situations. And I mean, I, it's human for us to lose hope yeah. and lose faith. But when you surround yourself with people who love the Lord and understand what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus, um, those those people's faith carriers. Yeah. 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 I love that. You know, it's funny. I, when we were doing this chronological version, I keep thinking of this um, young lady. My wife had the privilege of leading to the Lord years ago. And uh, we were like, well, you know, start reading, you know, in the New Testament. That'd be a good place to read, you know. Mm -hmm. And she came back. And she's a very smart girl, actually. She said, this is so weird. It's like the same story over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, oh my gosh! But you know, the interesting thing about her was that, um, in a in a real way, her friends, uh, we we met with her. We we met with all the seniors uh, on one of our ministry nights, and we said, hey, you know, is there anybody you'd like to target? We called it targeting. Mm -hmm. I don't mean this in a bad way, so don't take it the wrong way. But you know, is there anybody you want to target for reaching with the gospel? Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, and and they said. So we said, why don't you guys pray about it and get back to us next week? And they said, oh, we don't even need to pray about it. We know. And they gave us the name, just like that. Here's the name. And we were like, oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> you know, and so they, they like this, these friends who brought the, the, the paralytic to Jesus, mm -hmm. they like literally brought this girl mm -hmm. in prayer back. Uh, before us like regularly and, and 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 like we're targeting her in prayer and and uh, and she did end up coming to know the lord you know so. yeah i we're actually reading a book right now um it's all about evangelism and just like just different methods and this, this these people who wrote this book talk about prayer being the very first thing that you start mm. with if there's someone that you want to lead to christ Love like that. you have to pray for them and do it regularly and then things like inviting them into your home and having a meal with them and all these and sharing your life together yeah, yeah. um but the very the basis of it is prayer and keeping that prayer going all the way through mm -hmm. um i just yeah I, it's so it's so powerful when you actually see it happen you're like why didn't i do this a long time yeah. ago <laughs> now, i'm gonna mess this lyric up but there's there's <laughs> some uh there's a christian musician out there who wrote a song 
uh, something to the effect of what if I'm number 12 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the idea was that there's just so many contacts that a person will have uh, before they receive Christ as Mm -hmm. their Savior. Mm -hmm. And, And let's say it's 15 or maybe let's say it's 13 yeah. and you're number 12. What if I'm number 12? Yeah. But the, the idea is be persistent. You know, be be that be Jesus to them as he's asking you to be in obedience and then just leave it there. You don't have to be the one who like leads them in the prayer to receive Christ, you know. That that's awesome, but it's okay to be number nine or four or one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we just read about that yesterday when Jesus talked about the harvest. Someone else planted yeah. and they get to harvest it. Yes. Um, that's, we all have our roles. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. Yeah, that's good. Guys, thank you so much for listening today to God's Whole Story. And we'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Luke 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them there and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners into the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as they soon they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Mark 1, beginning in verse 40. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared, and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Matthew 8, 1. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Luke 5.12 In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, go to the priest and let him examine you. 
Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Mark 2, 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, "'My child, your sins are forgiven.'" But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk. So I'll prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Matthew 9, 1. Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen, and they praised God for giving humans such authority. Luke five seventeen. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as Jerusalem, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, "'Young man, your sins are forgiven.'" But the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. Mark 2.13 Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There are many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of the religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Matthew 9, 9. 
As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Luke 5.27 Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Mark 2.18 Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. Matthew 9.14 One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, Why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and they, then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins, so that both are preserved. Luke 5.33 One day, some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Jesus responded, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment, for then the new garment would be ruined, and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. 
You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.